0: profession or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. Today on Yap, we're chatting with Dean Graziosi. Dean is a real estate investor, expert, and leading trainer throughout the world. He's widely known for appearing daily on TV for nearly 17 years with his late night infomercials on real estate training. Dean is also a highly respected businessman who's built a multi million dollar real estate business from the ground up. And he's been involved in over 14 incredibly successful companies. And together, Dean and Tony Robbins had the largest online product launch to date with a program they co created called Project Next. On top of all of this, Dean is a bestselling author whose books include Millionaire Success Habits and The Underdog Advantage. This is a Yap Classic episode originally recorded on June 2020. It was episode number 68. And as always, we've shortened and consolidated this episode into its very best parts for the replay. In this conversation, Dean and I yap about what it means to have an underdog advantage and how you can create one. We learn how you can harness the power of desperation and turn it into persuasion And we also get really personal and hear why it's super important for Dean to maintain a healthy friendship with his ex-wife and the impact that his parents' divorce had on him. If you feel like you were meant for something more, but you don't quite feel like you have the motivation or drive to get it, you're going to benefit so much from this conversation with Dean. And before we get into it, Young profiters, I did want to take a second to remind you to join our text community. All you have to do is text YAP to 28046 to join, and there you can ask me anything. In fact, we have a new series called Ask Hala Anything, and I just recorded the first two episodes yesterday, and it was a total blast. So those are coming out in a few weeks, and we've been getting incredible questions on entrepreneurship, marketing, podcasting, side hustles, you name it. So if you have a question for me, all you have to do is text YAP, Y-A-P, to 28046 to join our text community, and then you can ask away. I check those messages every single day, and I respond, and you could be featured on Young and Profiting Podcast soon. Now, YAP fam, without further ado, let's get into this YAP Classic episode with Dean Graziosi my first question to you is really about your journey to where you are today. So from my understanding, we do lots of research here on Young and Profiting Podcast, and you had humble beginnings— before you were 19, you moved 20 different times. You grew up with a single mom. Um, you guys had financial struggles. You lived in a trailer park. You know, you had super humble beginnings. But then by the time you were 25, 26, you were already a multimillionaire. Um, You had made it in the real estate business. You had 20 to 30 apartments under your belt. So, take us back to then. Like, how did you get from, you know, struggling 19-year-old, didn't go to college, single parent— to multimillionaire in your mid-20s?
1: Yeah, first off, I want to say congrats on all the research. Everybody says they do, but you really did.
0: So <laughs> thanks. And secondly, I want to congratulate
1: you for being a leader and getting information out to the world. And, and I mean, this is a time in history where everything that's shifted in 2020 has really exposed how much we need knowledge. We need to get yes. more educated on so many different levels to help us grow. And and I just want to commend you for choosing this path because oh, thank you. Uh, the world needs more of people doing that, right? And uh, if you're not sharing your own knowledge, which you surely do, you help bring other knowledge to the world. So, you know, I, here's the thing. There's there's a million different reasons, right? We all have different circumstances. And and please know, when I, when, if I share a little bit about my past, I want to share only so it gives you context so you can use it in your own life. I don't like podcasts sometimes when someone goes on for 45 minutes about their life story if it doesn't feel relevant to me. So I just want to tell you, no matter where you are in your life right now, as you listen to this, you know, if you're in your twenties, I'm 51, but I can remember being 20 and hungry five minutes ago. I can remember being 20 and 18 and not knowing, you know, what I was going to do with my future. I didn't feel that smart because I I struggled with dyslexia. So I just, I decided college wasn't even an option for me and we didn't have money and I didn't have an example in my family, but I knew there was more. I, I watched my parents work so hard to have nothing. And I just didn't want to follow their path. I didn't want to follow their path in in the work environment. They're amazing people. But in the work, it's like they always struggled with money. They always worried about money. And they both worked hard. And it caused them to be not so happy in their personal life, right? It Mm -hmm. overflowed into that. So I just want to let you know, I know what that feels like. And I know what it's like to have that hunger to go and do something on your own, but like, where the heck do you start? Mm -hmm. And then besides where do you start? Then you feel like an imposter. Like, I know maybe you have never felt that way, but I was like, you didn't go to college. You're not that smart. No one in your school, you know, no one in your your family's doing well. You don't live in a big thriving town. You live in a small little upstate New York town. So I remember feeling all those feelings, but what I want to share with you today, and uh, I'm excited to dig dig in anywhere you want, no question uh, off the table, but I also know what it's like to use that pain of running away from tough circumstances as my fuel. I know what it's like to fail and try again. I know what it's like to fail 10 times and try again and get that first sale and that fifth sale and get momentum and get people to believe in you and you start gaining confidence. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get scared again, but you look back and go, I've already done this. Let me try more. So I, I did, I started a firewood business in high school. I started fixing wrecked cars before I was 20. I bought my first rundown apartment house for no money down at 19 or 20 years old. I ended up having a tow truck company, a collision shop, apartments. Then I started, like, just like you said, I started building houses, buying raw land and subdividing it by 25, failing miserable in between, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of just hustle. Uh, a lot of people doubting you and say, slow down, you're not gonna make it family thinking you're crazy. I was able to get to, uh, you know, my net worth. I didn't have a million dollars in the bank at 25, but I had over a couple million dollars in real estate by the time I was 25 and, and multiple different businesses.
0: That's so incredible. It's so cool that you you didn't have a college education, but you just went out and did the work. You hustled. You learned things on your own. How did you change your mindset about money? Because if you grew up with parents who, you know, struggled financially, they probably put it in your head that, like, it was really hard to be rich and that, like, you know, it so kind great. of— yeah, how did you yeah. how did you change to a mindset of abundance?
1: Yeah, first off, I want to tell you a good question. I, I like I'm going to have fun. This is going to be a fun interview. I like this because <laughs> it's a true story. My I remember my mom, and my mom is one of the sweetest women I've ever met in my life. But my mom, if we passed somebody with money or a big house or a, a Mercedes went by when I was a kid, I my mom's I remember my mom being like, oh, like it was like disdain because they had it and we didn't, right? Yeah. And I just remember, I, you know it's easy to look back and sometimes I don't even know if this is exactly what I felt at the moment, but I can judge it from this point, looking backwards. And I realized that money is an evil money solves problems. And I remember, you know, it's like, I guess this is a silly analogy, but neither one of us were sitting here talking when we didn't think about the air we're breathing. You didn't think, Oh, I got another breath <laughs> about it. But if someone clamps put their hands around your neck and you couldn't breathe, the only thing you would think about is air. And when I look back at my parents, they didn't realize since they didn't have money and they didn't have the ability to do things, all they ever thought about was the lack of money they had and the pain Mm -hmm. caused them without even realizing it. And I just remember thinking if I could get money out of the way, I could retire. My mom was probably my biggest muse because she worked three jobs to make nothing. And I remember thinking if I make money, I can retire her. She doesn't have to come Mm -hmm. home at nine o'clock at night tired with her hands hurting and her back hurting. So I just remember thinking money can solve problems. Now, I was probably a little naive back then, but I still feel that, right? I still feel money can solve problems. We just, when we, as a family, we realized how many kids go to bed at night in America hungry when mm-hmm. we realized that as a family over the last two years, we've provided 7 million meals. We put money allowed us to provide a solution, right? We do a lot of stuff in charity, but it also helps my family. I retired my parents, both of them. By the time I was 30, I retired both my parents. So That's they didn't amazing. have to worry about that anymore. Right. So I think money is one of those things. It's only evil if you do bad things with it. Yeah. Money can shift the world. Money can help people in need. Anyway, we can go down the, the philosophical side of money, but I just, it I just knew if I could make more money, I could help my family and I wouldn't feel so out of control. You know, when you don't have money and you got to move, we lived in an apartment house and got to leave because we didn't have money to stay there. It's like, it was all this disruption. Yeah. And, and the other thing I'll share before we, and you know, if you want to go deeper and move on, but the other thing, and maybe some of you can feel this, is lack of money to me. And this is one of my core whys in my life. Lack of money to me means I'm not in control of my time or my decisions. Mm. Money made my parents make certain decisions. They couldn't come to my baseball games or plays because they were both working. That was a decision made because of lack of money. We had to move certain areas. My mom, we had to live with my grandma a lot. Or more. We made bad decisions because of lack of money and someone else was in control. And I remember if I can, now that we're talking about it, the number one thing I remember is if I have money, no one's going to tell me how to live, where to live. And I still feel that way.
0: Wow. I think you said so many different gems, so many great insights. I love that money allows you to be in control. And that was sort of like your drive to help your parents become financially free and for yourself to be more in control of your life. I love that. So I think this is a perfect segue into your latest book. I think you put it out in 2019. It's called The Underdog Advantage. I thought it was yep. a great book. And, you know, I think that everybody right now is an underdog. We're yeah. we're dealing with COVID. We're dealing with police brutality. We're all underdogs right now. Um, so tell us, what is this concept of the underdog advantage?
1: So I, I think if you really look out, look through history, right? Some of the biggest people we respect in sports or in freedom for countries, freedom for people. They've been the the quintessential underdogs, right? At every level, from George Washington in America to Martin Luther King, to Mother Teresa, to LeBron James and Michael Jordan and everybody in between. If you really dig into their past, they weren't supposed to make it. So how the heck did they, Mm -hmm. right? So when I decided, when I had this concept, I'm really obsessed. My last two books, Millionaire Success Habits and this one are really about going upstream, uh, that's the analogy I use in my head and really helping people with the foundation for success. Mm-hmm. So many times people want success and they're looking, should I do Amazon? Should I build a course? Should I write a book? Should I sell products? And they're looking for the tools and the tactics, but if they don't have the mindset and the skills and the habits for success, it'll never work. They'll yeah. dabble forever and have envy that other people get ahead and they're not. Mm-hmm. So I really started obsessing on how do I really help people in a simple way, anchor in a foundation. I started looking into my own life, right? I, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the quintessential underdog, didn't have money, didn't have resources, didn't have family support, didn't have an education, all those things, right? Mm-hmm. Not for me, just part of it. And I started really analyzing and like I geeked out on research on, on successful people throughout time. And there was seven core habits of people who turn their disadvantages into their advantages. I mean, think about this. Most people, when they think about starting their own business or scaling their business, they say, and I get DMs like this all the time. Hey, if you lend me a hundred grand, we can be rich. If you lend me the money, if you give me the... (laughs) But think about this: how many people hit Lotto and go broke? They had the resources, but they were lacking resourcefulness, Hmm. right? Think about how many people, if you know anybody that's a trust fund adult, was a trust fund kid, now they're adult. I know a bunch of them. And I I have to say, I don't know any of them that are really happy or really hungry or are attacking life. I know a lot of them that struggle. Some people who just raise money for businesses and they're like, and you probably have some friends like that, that, not friends, people you know, they're on their fourth raise of money and the business fails, they just go raise money again. So that's three examples of resources, Mm -hmm. but not resourcefulness. So if we go back to that, what if life happens for us? What if God, the universe, whatever you believe in, set these obstacles in your way to see if you are worthy to gain the success you desire. Mm. And to get over those obstacles, you have to be resourceful. You have to figure out solutions. Listen, I've been blessed to start over 13 companies. I've done more success than I could ever imagine possible. I never had anybody lend me money, give me money. I didn't know what it was like. I wasn't smart enough to raise Angel and have angel investors and get my I had to go in business and I had to make it profitable in the first month or I'd go out of business. Yeah. Right. So it taught me how to be a hustler, taught me how to market, taught me how to influence, taught me how to put bring good people together because my butt was on the line. If it didn't work, I'd go broke. Yeah. So it looks like poor you, no one let you money. No, not poor me. I know how to start businesses and make them cash flow now because I had to be resourceful. That's just yeah. one of the, you know, seven things that you realize successful people are massively resourceful.
0: Yeah, I love that, that you have to be resourceful. I think that's super interesting. So let's say a lot of my listeners, including myself, we have like cushy corporate jobs, right? Yep. And we're comfortable now. So how do we get that you know, resourcefulness, that fire under our butts that you're speaking about if we already kind of made it to a certain level? Yeah,
1: I love that. What a great question. And that's why there's a whole section in the book about adopting an underdog mindset right? Because if you don't attack things in a hungry way, you can get complacent. And, and here's what I, what I would share is it's great to have a cushy job and you got some money coming in. But if you looked back, if you had the chance to fast forward, you're 97 years old and you're sitting mm-hmm. with your maker, whoever you believe your maker is, and you're having a conversation and you just fast forward and what you're doing now is what you did for the rest of your life with incremental raises, Mm -hmm. If you can sit with your maker and say, oh my God, I was an amazing life. I felt it. I lived to my full potential. Then you should keep doing exactly what you're doing. If you love it and you feel... But if you feel any part of your heart that you were meant for just something different, not just more money, not just upgrade the five series Beamer to the big Beamer or go to the the bigger... I'm talking about something where you feel like it's calling you. Like you get out of bed in the morning and you feel like you have a calling where you could be a role model, where you can happen to another level of potential. We all, I don't care where you are, there is another level of potential. And when you reach that one, there's another level. Stretching your mind, stretching the ability to learn, stretching the ability to impact other people's lives. If you have any of that, then what I believe is you have to get disturbed with inaction. You mm-hmm. have to get disturbed with complacency. And that's just it. Like, and even when it comes to entrepreneurs, there's lifestyle entrepreneurs and achievement-based yeah. entrepreneurs. I have some people that I know that got to a certain level, 20 grand, 50 grand a month in revenue, and they live the life they want and they want to just be on autopilot. They don't want to make more. They don't want to make less. They got their lifestyle they want. And there's accomplishment based entrepreneurs. It's like, I accomplished this, but there's a bigger mountain. There's more to learn. There's more to grow. I want to get navigate new territory. And it never ends because it's not about the money. it's It's about the ability to keep growing. So I would just say you have to really reflect and spend a little time and say, if you're good with it, don't don't let anybody disturb you. Stay good with it. But yeah. I would bet today, if you're listening to this podcast or you listen to any podcast or you're reading any personal development books or success books, you know there's like a, you might be on 3.0. There's a 4.0 version of you. And what I'd say is find a way to be disturbed and find a way to have an underdog mindset. Like attack it like you're not comfortable. Attack it like you have no money. Attack it like people are gonna make fun of you when it doesn't work. Attack it that you you have to be this Uh, incredibly resourceful because all I know too is being resourceful brings you alive because you have to think through problems, right? You don't just go, oh, let me cut a check. It's like, no, I got to make this happen.
0: And now a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters. They may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales. they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiter's who wanna try LinkedIn ads. You can get a hundred dollar credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you wanna make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you wanna claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, you have incredible drive. I feel like I also have this incredible drive. That's why I started my podcast on the side of having a job. And it really does wake me up and it makes me feel so passionate about life. And I can't wait to see where it goes. But you have like this extraordinary drive that doesn't seem to stop. I wanted to take a look at your content journey. So I scrolled through all your YouTube videos all the way from like 2011, like very old videos maybe even 2007, I want to say. And some of them had like 30 views, 70 views. And then it would jump from like 70K views to 200K views. And I was thinking like, how did you maintain that drive where sometimes people were paying attention and sometimes people weren't paying attention at all? How did you like maintain that grit, that drive to where now you have, I think, 3 million followers on Instagram? How did you do that?
1: Yeah, so here's what it is. First off, there was a time... Where I realized that, and this is somebody, any of you that ever want to, if you're already in it, or you want to go into something on social media to make more of an impact, to get a channel going, if you just look at it, that there might be just one person in the universe right now that needs what you're going to share. If you look at it through those eyes, then you don't have to say, wow, I don't have millions of followers. I don't have tens of thousands of followers. But what if it doesn't take 10,000 followers? What if one person tomorrow, if you shared a message, had two views and one of the two, we got to course correct their life or help solve a problem or allow them to feel better about themselves or gain knowledge to make them go faster in life. If you start looking at it through that, then it becomes about the impact mm-hmm. and the byproduct is more revenue and success. So I would bet to say, I know what I want out of life. I truly understand what success means to me. It took me a long time to dial that in. And of course it was different in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. Yeah. But I know what success means to me. I love giving people capabilities to go faster because I wish I had them, right? Yeah. And I wish I had the right knowledge. In my 20s, I got a lot of advice, but it wasn't until I really started digging in and learning from people who had already been there till I got the right advice. So I love giving advice. I love car- course correcting people's lives, not because I'm brilliant, not because I have all the answers and I don't give people advice in areas that I don't know of, right? Yeah. I would never, like what's going on in the world right now? I'm not going to give advice. I just want to be an active participant in the fix, the repair of it, right in the solutions, I'm not going to give my advice' people way smarter than me, but you mm-hmm. want to know how to start a business, market, influence, persuade, write a best-selling books, build relationships with people you like that's my expertise, and I want to give that to the world. So when I know I want that and the only way to give it is through enthusiasm and it, I mean, if I yeah. came on here with you today, I was like, yeah, you know I've, I've been blessed to do a lot of cool stuff <laughs> <laughs> listen, right. Like, <laughs> I know. So so just for me, and I want, this is one thing I think everybody should take away from this is boil down like the four to five things that are real success in your life. So one for me, I love making an impact. Maybe Mm -hmm. it wasn't always that. Maybe when I first started this business, I just wanted to make more money while I was helping people. Right now, it's an obsession to make an impact. Number two, Mm -hmm. I love being a father and a husband. I'm, I'm married to one of my dreams. I have three amazing children. One's only eight weeks old, um, um, and i have um, an eight week old and 11 and 13, like that's my life. And I want to be a present dad. I, when my kids are with me and I, I pick them up from school every single day, I go to baseball practices, not just the games, being a dad and being a husband is important. My team is extremely important. Uh, they're my family. There's 85 of us. I think it's like an extended family and four, I want to grow and contribute. And that's really the four things in my life. And I really say, I know this sounds, I say no to everything else. Mm-hmm. I don't do much else out of those four things, but I fight for that. And yeah. each one of them light me up like this. But if I was doing something that gave me that money but didn't allow me to feel aligned, I don't think I could have this enthusiasm. Yeah. So so just balance that. Know what success really means to you. And if you're not, if you're if success means a certain amount of money and you got it, but mm-hmm. you're still getting up, not feeling so good, then take a transition. Start a podcast like you, like do something that just Intrigues you, and, I, and, I, and the last thing I'll say about that is, if you don't know what else to do, then just be an investigative reporter. Like, just keep your eye open for anything that could give you that spark.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Essentially, you're saying like you just followed your values. Like, it had nothing to do with how many people were watching or how many views you it's got. True. It was more about your values, and you just kept doing, you know, what you enjoyed to do, what you found passionate, what kept you enthused. And it just ended up working out. So that's Yeah, Let me tell you about
1: podcasts. My schedule is really crazy. Life, 100 employees, three kids, and writing books, doing courses, doing videos. We put out a lot of content. And I still run my business. I'm still CEO of my company. So I make the high-level business decisions. But I told my team, you you met probably Lucas that you had a conversation with. I told my team four months ago. I said, because they were only booking me podcasts, that were like the top podcasts and I feel blessed with my partnerships and my, I can, can, I've done all the top podcasts, but I said, let's do podcasts where you find somebody intriguing. You find somebody that's really working hard to make a message. You find Mm -hmm. somebody who's like got a heart to serve. I don't care if they're just starting. My team's like, well, what if they only have 5,000 listeners a month? I'm like, well, they're going to grow and we can help them grow and I can deliver content. So I love making those decisions because I wish someone would have done more of that for me when we first started, right? So you're right, all your values and success follows that a lot faster.
0: That's awesome. So one more concept from the book I wanna cover. You say the most powerful advantage an underdog has is using desperation as persuasion. What do you mean by that? I've
1: seen some of the people who are best with, you know, people don't like the word sales and marketing, but listen, let's just say it. Nothing in the world happens unless you make a sale. Mm-hmm. If you don't sell someone to come listen to your podcast, they don't come listen. It doesn't matter if you just put it out there. Like an old movie with Kevin Costner called The Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. In the whole movie, I'm saying if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. If you build a great restaurant, if you write a great book, they won't just come. Barn, yeah. border, you know, Barnes & Noble, 95% of all books that are in Barnes & Noble don't sell over 1,000 copies. Do you know how many amazing books are in Barnes and Noble? People took years to write them. They put their heart, their soul, Mm -hmm. they did research, they obsessed, they had sleepless nights, they got done with the book and they're like, yay, it's done. And they got a publishing deal and they put it in Barnes and Noble and 800 copies sold. Why? Because they built it and it was so good. They just thought people would go viral and do it on its own. That's Mm -hmm. the biggest myth. In business, I want to tell you right now, everybody listening: if you're going to start a business or you want to even scale in the company you're at, you must influence and persuade the people that can allow you to go to the next level. You must, if you're selling something, you must get people to say yes. Now, here's the cool part: when you provide amazing value to you, the company you work with, or you provide an amazing product that changes people's lives. Listen, I love selling my book to people because I know if I read, they read it, I get to change their lives. Yeah. Right. So well, let's just—I just wanted to get selling out of the way. Like yeah. we must sell. But if you're selling cigarettes or booze to an alcoholic or selling something bad, that's terrible. But if you're delivering value to your company or value to the world, then I think we're obligated to sell. So that's that part. The turning desperation into persuasion is when you are an underdog or you adopt an underdog mindset. Think about in a corporate world, right? Because you say you have a lot of people listening that's got maybe a cushy corporate job. (laughs) You have to influence and make enough impact so you could go to the next level. That's just the way it is. If you look at it through the eyes of no desperation, it's like, you know what? I'm kicking ass in this job. I'm doing a good job. Listen, I'm going to go talk to my boss and I want him to recognize what I'm doing that is doing good. It will never work unless there's a feeling of desperation to want that next level, right? So mm-hmm. even, if it's, even if you're comfortable, even if you have a horrific childhood, it doesn't matter, adopt that mindset I desperately want that because here's what I know. The most, the greatest salespeople on the planet that I've ever met and I've been blessed, you know, I've traveled all over the world on live events. I get to watch a lot of them on stage. So many of them have come from a struggling background Mm -hmm. and that desperation built passion and enthusiasm, right? I know before I had the intelligence and before I had the money, you know what I had? I had the authenticity and the enthusiasm and the desperation that converted into influence, right? I had to sell people to do business with me because I had no credentials. I didn't go to school. Like, so I, I just found a way to turn desire and desperation into authentic persuasion.
0: That's awesome. So I heard you also mention, I can't remember if it was a podcast or in your book, talking about how like confidence is really important when you're selling something and how nobody can buy anything if you're insecure about what yeah. you're saying. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah. So, I mean,
1: have, have listen, if you're listening right now, has anything ever good happened in your life when your confidence is down? If you go <laughs> in and talk to your superior and you want to make a change, if you're not confident, if you're looking down, you feel a little nervous, you thought about it all night and you rehearsed what you were going to say and you walk in there with lack of confidence, a little cotton mouth, do you ever get your way? It never works out. You don't get the girl, you don't get the guy, you don't get the date, you don't get the the bank to lend you the money, the partner to be with you. You don't get someone to say yes if you're in sales if your confidence is down. If you don't believe in yourself, people don't believe in you. And the thing I want you to really listen to right now is confidence isn't like a 1 to 100 scale. For me, if your confidence is at a 94 out of 100, you're not moving forward in life. Yeah, I, I want you to think about it. You have to protect your confidence And when it comes to selling, right, I watch people on stage a lot because I get to travel around the world and I'll see somebody have so much energy and love and compassion and a great product or a great service. and They'll be on stage for an hour and they'll deliver Mm -hmm. massive value. And I can tell... I'm like, "Oh, they're getting ready to sell something because I can watch their mannerisms change. I can watch their face go straight. They turn more like a robot. They physically back up from the edge of the stage, and that's when you maybe you guys have seen it or saw it online, and that's when they go to slides and say, "Now if you like that today, if that was the tip of the iceberg. I have more." And they go to this slide <laughs> and they're like a robot, and they don't sell anything because they were they lost their confidence to sell, or maybe they didn't believe in what they were selling, or someone taught them sales were bad. So Confidence is so important on every level. And if this is cool with you, I want to share a couple of things to really think about confidence. Of course. You won't make the decisions you want mm-hmm. if you don't have confidence. If you're in a job and you want to raise and you've been thinking about asking for it, if your confidence is down, you're not asking, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between cockiness and confidence. Confidence comes from purely in, in your soul. So here's what I want to share with you. Protect your confidence. And there's lots of ways that rob your confidence. One is over, like you know. Right now, it's hard with all going on in the world. But mm-hmm. watching the news on a regular basis will rob your confidence. When's the last time you ever watched the news and thought, "Oh my God, the world's in such a good place"? You watch the news, <laughs> so and then true. you say, you "Watch the news," then you say yourself, "Oh crap, this world, America's going to hell in a handbasket." Maybe I should be lucky that I have this job. Maybe I shouldn't ask for that raise. I should just be happy I have the, the job I got. Let me let me stay safe. Let me stay secure, and then you shrink right? Mm. How about hanging out with someone in your life that tells you to stop being a dreamer? You really shouldn't start a podcast. You got this great job. Why would you want more? Why do you want to Mm -hmm. ask for the raise? Why do you want to start their own business? you hang out with someone like that. You might be empowered and strong. You might have the Superman logo under your shirt, but when you hang out with that person, you button it back up. Mm. You go back home and go, maybe I should be happy with this life. These things are cumulative. Watch the news, hang out with your negative friend. And then the last thing, there's a bunch of them I could share, but the last one, I wish someone told me this and gave me this gift when I was younger. Even in your career, your job, your business, whatever it is that you do, stop working on your weaknesses and stop feeling inferior about the things you're bad at. Hmm. Like today, stop it. When you work on your weaknesses, all it does is make you feel bad about yourself. And here's a gift I wish someone gave me. Figure out what you're good at and get amazing at it. And let the stuff you suck at or you're insecure about or rob your confidence, let someone else do it or pay someone to do it. When you can see, I don't care if you're in a corporate job, if there's something that you hate doing, pay someone to do it. And when that time is being done by someone else, obsess on the things that you love that can actually move the needle in your life and watch your ROI go through the roof.
0: Hold tight, everyone. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Hey, App Fam, starting my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass was one of the best things I've ever done for my business. I didn't have to waste time figuring out all the nuts and bolts of setting up a website that had everything I needed, like a way to buy my course, subscription offerings, chat functionality, and so on, because it was super easy with Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, whether you're selling your first product, finally taking your side hustle full time, or making half a million dollars from your masterclass like me. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered as you scale. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to other options out there. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S from huge shoe brands like Allbirds to vegan cosmetic brands like Thrive Cosmetics. Actually, back on episode 253, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Thrive Cosmetics, Carissa Bodnar, and she told me about how she set up her store with Shopify and it was so plug and play, her store exploded right away. Even for a makeup artist type girl with no coding skills, it was easy for her to open up a shop and start her dream job as an entrepreneur. I think that is absolutely incredible advice. I think your, your points about kind of like changing your environment, making sure you're hanging out with the right people, making sure that you're not getting consumed by the news and letting that take over your feelings and, and how you feel about yourself. I think that's, that's wonderful advice. I'd like to switch gears to something sure. a little bit more personal from my understanding, you grew up with divorced parents. I think at a young age, your parents got divorced and then between them, they divorced like nine times. Yeah. Um, you seem like like a very mentally stable person, somebody who's really got a good head on his shoulders. So how did their divorce impact you? And how did you not get traumatized by, by that experience?
1: Actually, I did get traumatized. So a really good question. And I'll be completely transparent. I am. Um, It wasn't easy. And and again, I, when I share, I just want you to know I'm sharing an experience. I'm not sharing because I want any sympathy or empathy uh, for it. So, but um, my father couldn't really handle the divorce. My father was the youngest of 12. He was sexually and physically abused like most of his childhood and Mm. he didn't ever repair that. So he had this inner anger And and now my dad's in a great space and I love him dearly, but my dad struggled with that and he he pushed his family away and kind of terrorized us in a way without realizing his father physically beat him and he Mm -hmm. decided I'll never hit anybody in my family, but it came out in other ways, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of back and forth and my mom, she got married and divorced five times, my dad four. So marriage didn't seem like a thing. Like it didn't seem like it worked. And I have to say, I, I, I went through a divorce and I never thought I would because of that. But I have to say, I know a lot of the reasons why and I'm responsible. I, I have to take responsibility for my part in that. But I ha- when I was going through my divorce, when I knew it was an absolute thing that was happening, there was no, no way around it. And I'm not an advocate of divorce. I'm just saying this was the decision for, for us it caused a lot of anxiety. In fact, if you, I'll go into this any way you want, but the truth of the matter is it opened up wounds from my four, year old self. And for the first time in my life, I had real anxiety attacks. Like I didn't know what an anxiety attack was at you know my late forties. I, I popped Xanax two days a week just so I could sleep. And I don't even take aspirin. I don't drink a lot. I don't take any, like, I just don't like putting anything in my body. And I was taking Xanax just so I could get two, two nights a week sleep. Like had crazy panic anxiety, not from the divorce, because my ex and I had already figured that out. We were working on a friendship. We were already living in different places. We had already lived in different bedrooms for three years before we got a divorce. That was fine. But all these old worries of my children came back yeah, and uh, it was it was a really brutal time. And I, I, tell me what part I'd love to share what I did to come out of that, what I shifted, how I'm in the best relationship in my life, how my kids are thriving, my ex yeah. is a dear friend. What part I, could I help your um, audience with?
0: I'm interested to understand like how you like first of all, you're friends with your ex, so I think that's yep. relatable to everyone. Like, how did you maintain a healthy relationship with your ex while also getting married to somebody else, starting a yeah. little new family?
1: So here's what I so I'm just going to say it like it is. I'll hold, I'm not going to hold anything back. It was freaking me out. And freak out is just a, a fun way to put, like losing my mind, journaling yeah. at night. And I started doing all the things. Like I am friends with Tony and great people. My buddy, Dr. Daniel Amen. And I went and saw Tony for a couple of days and Daniel Amen for a couple of days. And I read books on it and I was meditating and I was waking up in the morning and doing yoga and I was journaling every day. I could not, and this is just something for everybody to think about. I did this in business, but I didn't do it in my personal life. And I'll tell you what that is in a minute. I couldn't stop the feelings I had. Nothing seemed to be working. I just mm-hmm. kept going back to this younger version of myself. And I, like, I felt like I was going to put my kids through the same trauma I went through. Yeah. That wasn't the case, but that's the way my brain was telling me that was going to happen. And I started thinking, what is one... And this is something I want everybody to take away. If you take nothing from this, this podcast, take this. When you can have exponential results... When you can solve one problem that solves many, that's how you grow your career. That's how you grow your income. That's how you grow your business. I do that all the time in my business. What's one thing I can solve that solves multiple things? Mm. And I just, I started getting this frame of mind, like nothing seems to be working. I'm losing my mind. And I started thinking, what's one thing? And the one thing was because I was worried my kids wouldn't respect me. I wouldn't see them as much. I travel a lot. What if it's not my day when I come back? What if all the, the values and core beliefs I put into my kids go away? Like I do Sunday meetings with my kids. I pick them up every day from school. I, I cook my kids breakfast. I cook them, like I'm an engaged dad. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm just picturing all that that's going away, that their mom's going to talk bad about me and all of those things. And I'm like, what's one thing I can do? And I have to tell you, my life changed when I realized if I can be friends with my ex, like real friends, not just fake. Like someone, I made a list of 10 things I could do and I sent it to her on how I could be a real friend. And what I said is, you know, things like, I will listen when you talk. I will never disparage your kid, the kids, and when you're not around no matter what. When I meet somebody, they have to accept that I'm friends with my ex and that I don't talk bad. I will never say a bad thing about you in the entire universe, anywhere you never hear. And I just declared these 10 things and said, if I can be friends with my ex, all the other worries go away. She's never going to talk bad about me. She's not going to try to steal and have more custody than 50-50. She'll be flexible when I travel. And when I found that the answer, not even when it happened, all the anxiety, it was almost like a ship coming out of a storm, like rocky, crazy. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was like a flat surface. And then when that worry was off me and we saw we could do that, my kids saw the respect. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, one more thing to remember, This is a hard one. And this relates to what's going on in the world right now. I just decided to replace anger, guilt, worry, frustration with compassion. Hmm. Might've been the hardest thing I've ever done. And every time I go like, why does she want that money? I'm going to look through the eyes of compassion. And when I started doing it, it became a habit. And within six months, I just always replaced all of those emotions that do nothing but hurt, destroy with compassion. Long story short, built a friendship. I had the ability to work on me. I decided I looked internally for the first time on the relationship side on a deeper level and said, how can I become a better man? Mm-hmm. I don't want to just find a, a woman that can fill me up. It's like, how do I become a man that attracts a woman where we can, I can find the relationship in my life? And I, I did a lot of work on me and I got coaches and, and read and I interviewed people and great couples. And I realized some of those old beliefs from my family's divorces were lingering inside of me. And I got to purge those out. And I, then Tony made me make a list of everything I wanted in a relationship and everything that wasn't acceptable. And he said, look at that every single day. And I did. I wanted someone who would love my children like their own, someone who was into health and personal growth. And I wrote all these things down. I wrote all the things that were unacceptable, people that were negative, people that were racist or people like I had all this list of what I didn't want. And I manifested mm-hmm. it. And I, I'm, married I'm married to the woman of my dreams. like and you beyond. so happy. We are every day. And it's not for Instagram. We're three years in. We're happy as hell. We have an eight-week-old. Um, my wife already wants to go for number two. Like, we're, <laughs> none of that happened. And this is the last big lesson. And I'm, if I took too long to share that, I'm sorry. But no. here's the last thing I'll tell you. Your next level of life, and you've heard this before, but I want you to hear it for the first time, lives on the other side of the thing you fear the most. Mm. I fear leaving my children. I didn't fear getting a divorce. I feared leaving my children. It caused pain and anxiety. Think about this last analogy is you're in a ship and your ship's okay, you're in the bay. And there's other ships around and maybe your ship's a little bigger than everyone else's or the same size and you're comfortable, but you're just not happy. But the only way out of that bay is a tornado and it just stays out in the bay and it's always there. And the only exit is through the tornado. Mm -hmm. You can stay in the bay. You can look back in your life and go, I lived an okay life. I wasn't ready for okay My ex and I hadn't held hands in 10 years. We hadn't slept in the same bed. My kids didn't see what love was. I felt empty on the inside. I'd go on stage in front of 20,000 people. They'd all cheer and love me. And I'd go backstage and be alone. And I'd feel alone, Mm -hmm. right? I had all those feelings. The only way I could find love, happiness, abundance was on the other side of the storm. And a couple of times I started going in the storm, I got scared. I went back, like picture that visual. And then finally enough was enough. Yeah, There was no going back. And I took my ship through that storm and it was hell. And I had anxiety attacks and worry. And now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm a better person. I'm a better version of me. I've navigated new territory and I can see through a deeper level of empathy and compassion. And I'm a better Mm -hmm. dad. I'm a better ex. I'm a better husband to my wife. I'm a better leader.
0: You know, I have so much respect for you that you found a new woman but you didn't just like leave your family to the side and you prioritized your ex and your children and that's really respectable. My last question to you and I know we're really close on time. What is your secret to profiting in life? This is a question we ask all of our guests.
1: Uh, you know, I said this already so I don't want I don't want to beat it up but really identify what happiness is because It changes all the time. Listen, if I asked you what happiness was just four months ago, before COVID, before all the things going on in America, you'd say happiness was different than it is right now. Mm. Analyze what true happiness is, what true success means to you, and fight for it every single day. That drives me. That's my greatest success. That's my greatest profit, is I know what I love. I love being a family man. I love impacting lives. I love my team, and I love growing as a human, and I will fight for that to the end.
0: Yap, bam. I hope you like this episode. Dean Graziosi is so awesome. He's got such great energy. And when we recorded this episode back in 2020, I remember being very inspired from this conversation. I was still at my job at Disney Streaming Services and running this podcast as a side gig. And I think I was just starting. If this was recording in June of 2020, I had just started Yap Media. And... I had maybe my first client already. It was before we were actually incorporated as a company, but Dean definitely motivated me. And needless to say, what Dean shared in this episode about the underdog mentality and turning desperation into persuasion worked for me and can work for you too. And so when we decided to replay this episode, it really gave me a chance to look at my journey through the lens of this conversation with Dean. And I realized how much my underdog mindset and desperation that Dean talks about came into play. I've always felt like I had a chip on my shoulder. And I wanted this episode to serve as a reminder for you all that it is okay not to be satisfied with your life and to want more for yourself. That's not negativity, right? Complacency can be very dangerous. It's okay sometimes to be dissatisfied because dissatisfaction can fuel positive change. So do not mistake dissatisfaction with your life with negativity there is always a little bit of negativity that we can incorporate whether it's seeking revenge which fuels you to make a change or whether it's just not liking your circumstance you need negativity sometimes to make a change and that safety net that I had back when I was working in Disney I'm sure many of you guys can relate sometimes it's really hard to leave something good for something great, right? I just had a conversation with Nathan Chan. He's the founder of Founder, the magazine. And the episode didn't come out yet, but he told me something really cool. He said that his friend became friends with Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos is the CEO of Amazon and the richest man in the world, literally. And his friend asked him, hey man, like, you've got everything. You could literally buy anything you want more than anyone in the world in terms of the amount of purchasing power that you have. So what do you want? Like, what is something that you desire? And he said, he desires to evolve. He said, the only thing I want to do is evolve. And for me, that just clicked. And I just realized like the purpose of life is to evolve. So like I said, no matter where you're at, even if you, are someplace great right now. Like you've got a great corporate job. If you're not happy and you feel like you're not reaching your full potential, it is okay to be dissatisfied with your life and to take positive change and take change even if everyone else is against it, to take positive change to change your life. I remember my ex-boyfriend who I'm no longer with was so mean to me when I wanted to start Yap Media. He stonewalled me. It's the reason why we broke up. He didn't talk to me. And it was because he thought he knew better for me. He thought that I was too emotional to be an entrepreneur. He thought that I was ruining my life, that I was selfish and that anybody would be happy with an executive job at Disney and, and how dare I even think about starting a company and how lucky I was to have, you know, a steady paycheck and how I was making the biggest mistake of my life and he wouldn't stand by it. And you know what? At some point, you've got to leave the negative people in your life and you've got to take your life into your own hands. And if you know inside of yourself that you're meant for something greater, you need to take that leap. I knew there was something more and I'm so thankful I took that leap and I'm so thankful I trusted my gut and I'm so thankful I've created a new life for myself and I've adopted that underdog mindset and used my desperation and my need for this dream to be realized to reach out to guests like Dean, like the CEO of Netflix, Mark Randolph, to the queen of happiness, Gretchen Rubin, to celebrity superstars like Matthew McConaughey and all of my incredible guests to persuade them to give this up and coming podcaster a shot who is now a number one podcaster across all apps who is now a number one how-to podcaster on apple cover of podcast magazine award-winning social media and podcast agency you name it i just keep leveling up and leveling up and i say this because i want to motivate you that you can level up too i started from zero i was a nobody and i was a nobody that nobody wanted to give a chance to ever All right, so if you're looking for a sign or kick in the butt to snap out of being complacent, use that desperation to fuel your fire. This is your sign. And right now, if you're thinking, gee, I'm pretty complacent at my job, I do feel like I have a higher purpose, but I don't know where to start, here are a few of my personal tips. First of all, look at the things that excite you, that you have fun doing. Consider the things in the past where you've reached that flow state, where it feels natural. And also, Take inventory of your skills and think about how you can stack them into something unique. I always talk about this, so I'm sorry if I'm being repetitive, but I really believe in it. You know, I feel like if you can take an inventory of your skills and figure out how you can use them strategically in a new way, in a new industry, whatever it is, you will win. Or maybe try something new that you've always been interested in, but you've never had the drive or the motivation to try, or you've never carved out the time to do it, try something new and stay connected with your curiosities and be open to new opportunities as they come your way. Remember, this is about finding what makes you jump out of bed in the morning. So sample far and wide until you find it. Okay, make sure you find something that you really, really enjoy if you're going to make a really big change because you need to have that enjoyment so that you stay motivated in the beginning because in the beginning you need consistency and consistency sometimes doesn't always equate results right away. And you need to enjoy learning about whatever you're getting into so much that it's just fun and you want to do it anyway, even though you're not getting immediate rewards, All right. So you want to make sure you're doing something that's really fun for you, that you enjoy, that comes pretty naturally. It's a strength that you can just build on that strength. And the next thing I recommend that you should do is to write a list of the things that you equate success with your life, three to five things that you equate success in your life to. And so for example, mine is to make an impact with young entrepreneurs and corporate professionals and help them pursue their dreams. Because when I was growing up, nobody that looked like me or sounded like me was giving advice to people like me, and I wanna be that voice. And I wanna be a voice for everyone, not just women. Most of my listeners are male. So I feel like I am a voice for everyone. I include everyone. And that is one of my success criteria, is to be a voice of change and impact for young professionals in general. And I think you can figure out what success means to you and what happiness means to you. And once you figure that out, you write it down, you're one step closer to figuring out what you want to do with your life. Okay? And then before you get too far into anything, before you quit your job, you've gotta test your idea. You gotta see if people are willing to buy. Go through your immediate contacts, if it's a service. I feel like service-based businesses are so awesome because it's just like a way you can leverage your skills to make money. If you have a service-based business, then just reach out to your contacts and see if you can start getting selling. A product is more difficult because then you need like a prototype and all that, it's just a lot more steps, okay? But most of us who are starting side hustles and businesses, most of us are going to have a service that we're offering. So try to get three people to buy it before you take too many leaps, you know, make sure that there's some sort of demand, that it's easy to sell, that people want it. Because sometimes what you love is actually not profitable to do. So don't get lost in that boat. And finally, the other tip that I have is to build up your confidence. So confidence is everything. Confidence is how you can demand high prices. Confidence is how you show up in conversations and gain respect from other people who are gonna level you up in your life. And Dean says that means taking a break from reading the news. I love this one. It's also losing those negative friends like I just talked about. Also pouring your energy into what lights you up and learning everything about that topic. We talked about that as well, and becoming obsessed with whatever you want to do and being the absolute best that you can at it because knowledge and competency equals confidence. And our recent guest, Ed Milet, also said something really interesting about self-confidence. He said that self-confidence comes from keeping the promises that you make to yourself. So once you have a goal to start something new, to learn something new, to go after that side hustle, stick to it, make it happen. Keep the promises that you make to yourself by carving out time to do everything that you need to do. And make it happen, young and profiters. So yap, yeah, bam! Let's kick complacency to the curb. Tap into your inner underdog. Grow that confidence, and get that life that's waiting just outside your comfort zone. And by the time this episode is released, we're going to be a little bit halfway over through 2022. So I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who has taken the time to leave us a five star review on Young and Profiting podcast on Apple. That is the number one way to thank us. We just reached number one in the how to category on Apple. Shout out to every. Everyone who is supporting the show. I have a very large following on Castbox, on Player.fm, and I love my Castbox and Player.fm listeners, but I'm really on a mission to grow Apple because that's where the sponsors go look first. It's really important for the growth of our show. So if you're tuning in right now and you have access to an iPhone, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, and I'm going to shout you out just like I'm going to shout out some folks today on the podcast. And this first review is from Glenn. And Glenn says, Hi, Hala. I listened to your podcast with Patrick, but David yesterday, and you're both great. There was so much wisdom shared and discussed. Thank you. Patrick's book is on my list of reads for 2022. I appreciate you both. And thanks for sharing. Cheers, Glenn. Well, thank you so much, Glenn, for taking that time to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. And I hope those of you who are still tuning in do take the time to drop us a review. We work really hard on this show, and that's the number one way to tell us thank you. And this next review is from Marie Yola, and she says, great podcast. Dear Halataha, I enjoy listening to your podcast. I want to tell you that you have a voice. You are such a wonderful human being and your story is inspiring. One day I saw you post something on LinkedIn and that you hosted a podcast and I told myself I needed to check out your show and I did and you have made a positive impact on my life. Keep doing the great work. Wow, Marie, what a great review. Oh my gosh, I'm smiling ear to ear. Thank you so much for taking the time to write that review. And thanks for leaving your name. If you guys do write a review, make sure you guys leave your name because sometimes those names on Apple podcasts can be a little bit obscure. And I'll try to shout you out the next time I'm doing review shout outs. And You guys can also reach out to me on social media. I'm super active on Instagram at Yap with Hala. I'm also on LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha. And if you guys want to text me directly, just join our text community by texting Yap, Y-A-P to 28046. And as always, thanks so much for listening. And thanks to my Yap team. You guys rule. I couldn't do this without you. I'm so appreciative of you all. And I love my listeners too. So thank you guys so much for supporting the show. I've been getting so much incredible outreach lately and it's just amazing. This is your host, Halataha, signing off.